Good morning, guys. Welcome back to... Why do I say good morning? I'm sure when you're listening, it's probably not good morning. Anyway, it's morning for me uh, from Bangkok. I'm recording this at 8 o'clock in the morning because generally that's what time I do my podcast intros. Uh, Today is a very special show because it's the start of a new series. Wow. Uh, That's right. On the Back Bar has a new series now. Uh, We're going to be talking to entrepreneurs and startup business moguls who have created a business model or maybe created a new business strategy within the hospitality and F&B scene. To kick off this series, I've got two guys, Lawrence and Brandon, who created the awesome Drinksmith bottle cocktails. Uh, As far as it goes, I've never seen anything so innovative before. I know that during 2020, pretty much every bar kind of had to uh, change their business model to do bottle cocktails and takeaways. I think there was a lot of great stuff that came out. Uh, I think also a lot of people probably struggled because they didn't realize the work that would have to go into it. These guys were doing it probably about four years now, uh, way before COVID, but it's only really in the last couple of years where they started to shine. And this is all because of their patented technology, which we'll talk about today. Uh, yeah, these guys are really awesome. I'm really happy to kick off the series with them. Uh, going forward, we've got a few other guests that have come on the show. Um, and I think really what I wanted to do is highlight the fact that in F&B, mostly the bartender scene, you know, there's always been a route to entry where it's bartender to brand ambassador to brand manager and going forward. But there's actually a lot more possibilities out there. And I want these guys and the other guests in the future to show that. Before we go on, I just wanted to mention about my Patreon account, which you can all join if you look in the links. Uh, Patreon is a community membership site where you can really just help and support me. Uh, in return, I give you exclusive content access to a cocktail book I wrote. Yep, that's right, I did write a book. Um, And also shout out on the episode. Um, The free tiers we have start with $3 a month, which uh, is basically just a cup of coffee, but all of that goes into the podcast. Uh, And it can can go up to 25, but five of those dollars go to Healthy Hospo uh, to help those in need. And also uh, you get some really cool uh, perks such as a special chat, a group chat with me and other patrons where you can actually help me shape the conversation going forward. Um, a little bit more to add, I've just recently found a studio in Bangkok where I'm going to do all my podcast recording. Um, the reason behind this, I just want to up my production value. I want this podcast to sound so much better um, because yeah, you guys deserve that. You've been following me for a while now and I feel that now it's time to step it up a bit. So I'm quite excited. Um, it's a really cool studio. Uh, they're going to let me record a couple hours each week. So if you go over to my Patreon and you help support me, that money will be going to the studio rental because right now all of this is, is from me and you amazing guys. Final note before we go into the show, I just wanted to give a big shout out um, to some amazing individuals that I've met recently um, who have helped me and uh, really supported my podcast in Gastronomy Lifestyle. So uh, the first would be Taylor Foxman, who uh, actually got this interview on the go with these amazing guys. Uh, she's such a superstar for what she's doing in the industry. Um, really, like I think she's going to go a lot of good places. She's one to watch. And she's always been a bit of a, a community driver, bringing people together. Um, the other person would be Sean Saul, who I was recently on his podcast, and he's joining me this weekend. He's been running the podcast for a hell of a long time, more than me, and uh, it's a great show, the Post Podcast, so I really recommend to go check it out. And finally, Hannah Lee, who I had an amazing conversation with with her and Michael. Um, 
two outstanding individuals um, and they're really going to do some amazing things. Well, they already have, but I think they're going to help support me and uh, I look forward to collaborating with them further. All three of those people share a big ethos of what I do as well, which is all about celebration of food and drink, shared collaboration and creativity. And I'm so happy to be uh, among top individuals like them. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, As always, please like my show, subscribe. Please leave a comment because actually if you leave a comment, it does help my ratings um, to let more people listen to my show. Okay, enough talking. Uh, Thank you and enjoy the show. Benjamin Franklin once said, In wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the Back Bar. This is Christopher Menning. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us again on the Bat Bar Podcast. We are here today with Lawrence and Brandon, who are part of a new series all about entrepreneurship and startups in the F&B scene. I think this is going to be a really interesting episode because these guys have created a really unique brand. So uh, we'll start off by saying, Lawrence, Brandon, how are you guys doing? Are you okay? You're doing great. You're <laughs> in LA, but it's weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, how's it how's it been over there this sort of last couple of months? I know it was all a bit hard at the beginning, but are things settled now? Are you getting better? Getting a little better. Um, you know, it's on and off kind of shutdowns and uh Brandon and I are trying to figure out, you know, how best to, to thrive when um you know and how to bring everyone up uh, at the same time. For sure, for sure. Now you're here today to talk about bottle cocktails, but yours is quite unique. And I think this is going to be great because this year, particularly, well, actually last year now, a lot of people I feel like started doing bottle cocktails, especially bars, because it was a new business opportunity. But you guys have hit something quite special. Can you tell us about your brand and how you got it started and, and a bit about it? Yeah, so we've been working on Drinksmith for about six years, perhaps. Uh, and just launched it two months before the pandemic. So it seemed kind of like a very on uh, target kind of product that we, you know, we've been building for the past number of years. Um, you know, Brandon and I have known each other for probably about, you know, 15 years at this point. And we uh, reconvened up in Los Angeles after having gone to school together. And uh, Brandon has a long history in CPG and uh, making different kind of cosmetic products. And I have a background in, in law and I was in law school. Um, you know, when we started the product and, you know, we both love cocktails and it's one of those things where, you know, going downtown or West Hollywood and getting a fresh craft cocktail is super far away and different and fresh and amazingly, exquisitely, meticulously crafted in a bar 
and it tastes nothing like what you can get at the store. And us as working professionals, me as a student, him as a, you know, a working person, you know, making cocktails, even though we love them is a, you know, is a whole get up. You have to have all these different liqueurs and make your citrus mm -hmm. and all these kinds of things. And if you have friends over, we started, you know, realizing that how cool would it be to have a fresh bottled cocktail, something that you would have at a high end bar downtown that you could have at the store and everything at the store at that time, even now is not even remotely close to what you would get at the bar. And we, we started investigating, Hey, how can you have that level of freshness? And we started talking to people and everyone said it was impossible. Um, you know, we kind of realized that talking to people, they've thought about it and just couldn't solve the issue of fresh. And we basically identified four different structural limitations in the alcohol industry for, you know, time immemorial that have not allowed this to happen. And we went out and basically one after the next attacked those and solved them. So the four issues were um, stabilization of the citrus, how to keep it separate, how to manufacture it properly and how to get it to market. Um, so I, I can stop right there. I can kind of keep going and kind of tell you how we did all that. Well, yeah, I'd love to jump into each part of that. I mean, uh, I'm really interested as well, the name Drinksmith, where, where did that come around? Uh, yeah, so it kind of evolved into a point where, you know, all these, so we knew all these different bartenders, we wanted to work with them. And after going to all these bars, we started thinking about a name where, how do you, how do you create something where there's a bartender who's making a drink that tastes like something you get in a bar, but not, they're not actually making the drink for you in a bar. So a drinksmith is someone who crafts a drink, like a drinks, like a locksmith, a goldsmith, and crafts it for you, but they're not at a bar. So that's what a drinksmith is. I get it. I get it. Okay. And Brandon, how many cocktails were drunk in the process of this creation? <laughs> Too many. Too many. <laughs> Each one that we probably are indeed for, I mean, like hundreds. We had many, many a night just sipping through ginger drops and bourbon sours and yeah, we've definitely had our fair share at this point. Okay, and actually there's some of the recipes in the bottles, right? Yeah, all the all the recipes are on the front of the label. We try and make it kind of open and transparent like that. We want people to, to really get into the spirit of drink making. And, you know, I think, we, in fact, actually in the beginning, we were going to put actual amounts of each ingredient on the label and we got shut down by the TTB. Um, cause we were really oh, okay. like, Hey, look, you want to make drinks at home? This is, this is exactly how you make. And, you know, some people on Instagram will still, you know, comment, you know, Hey, I, you guys list the ingredients. I'll just make this at home. And we're like, more power to you. Fair, fair. So can you tell us more about, um, the recipe creation, how that came around? Cause you have some pretty influential, uh, bartenders, I guess, being part of it and helping you, but where did the core recipes come from? How did you come around for that? Lawrence, why don't you take yeah. this one? Sure. So, yeah, we, you know, it's this really fun thing where for the bartenders, I think they were really surprised, you know, when working with them that we use, we use the exact same ingredients that they would use in their bar and we put it in the bottle. Um, a lot of other companies will have to add these preservatives or these colorants or anything like that. And so we really just went into their bars and did R&D. And we obviously, we you know, we have, there's a certain template of a, you know, standard sour um cocktail or a daisy and we just modified it 
we added a certain amount of water for dilution, kind of almost equivalent to the amount of water you would get in an ice shake. Um, right. And then, so you can drink it out of the bottle directly, or if you pour, poured it over ice, you could it would still hold up in the drink. And then we just scaled it up to the bottle format um, that we had to use because of the TTB uh, standard sizes of fill. There's only certain kind of quantities you could use. So we had to kind of back into the recipe, add dilution, and then scale it up to fit the proper uh, federal, you know, standard uh, size we have to use. I mean, just before we go on, was there a lot of red tape to get this started? It sounds like there was quite a lot of, you know, back and forth maybe. Yeah, no, I mean, that, and those were kind of the four, you know, I guess structural limitations, I would say that, you know, we've we had to identify and two of those are pretty much regulatory. And so as outsiders, Brandon and I, we kind of came into it, I think with a certain level of openness that said, hey, you know, these are issues, but we're going to solve them versus saying, hey, it's impossible and walk away. Um, we came into it with a, a, you know, a longer term approach. Hey, we're just gonna work on this. We're gonna figure it out, whatever it takes, we're gonna go solve it. Brilliant. So before we go into um, some more of the, I guess, fine details of, of the setup, can we discuss about the, the product itself and um, A, some of the recipes you've got and B, this quite unique technology you've got, which is the the, the cold pressed fresh tech. Is that the way to describe it? Yeah, yeah you got it. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, can we go into that? <laughs> yeah, where do you want to start? You want to start just with the bottle itself? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, for listeners, the whole, the whole concept is you twist it, you shake it, and it's ready. So that that's quite unique. What's the twist do for it? You know. Yeah, you know, a lot of people look at the at the twist tech and they think that's kind of where the innovation begins and ends, mm. and it's important, you know. And it's the most it's the most visual aspect of it. So it's you know it's it's not it's not strange that people think that. Um, but just to focus on that for a second, we we believe that pre mixed it just changes the sensorial nature of the fresh ingredients, you know, taste, texture, color, you know, it all just mm -hmm. kind of gets imported when it's mixed with alcohol and left on shelf for time. So for us, keeping them separate was essential. So that way, you know, you have that freshly mixed taste and profile. Um, and that was, you know, that was definitely a bear to, to try and come up with. We, on the back end, though, we use what's called high pressure processing or cold pressurization. There's a few different names for it, but basically, what we do is we take the the bottom the the bottle comes to us in um, in separate pieces, so it's it's not one cohesive unit when it when it shows up to our plant, um, and it's patent pending too, so no one else has access to this bottle. It's something that we developed over the course of a few years. Brilliant, um, and we can talk a little bit more about that too, just like where where it's at in that process. But on the back end of it, we fill the bottom chamber with juice um, and then we take it to um, another part of our facility where we, we put it into a big tank um, with a you know, ton of other bottles. You can't fit another bottle in there. And we flood that tank full of cold water at 85,000 pounds per square inch. And the pressure basically breaks down the microbes, explodes the microbes on the inside of the fresh ingredients. And microbes are essentially what what spoils raw juice over a number of, you know, two, three days. But with this cold pressure tech, we disrupt those microbes and it stunts the growth of them for about five months. And that's while refrigerated. 
we're actually looking into, we're actually doing another shelf life study now. Um, and we're, we're thinking that it's going to get to seven months. Wow. Uh, but it keeps, it keeps the juice fresh. And again, doesn't disrupt any of the taste profile, the color, the texture, or the, you know, the aroma or smell that you'd get from that juice. So it's really two things. It's a twist tech, but on the back side of it is this cold pressure tech that extends the shelf life of the product and keeps it truly fresh for five months. I mean, so this is where the first pivot comes in, the stabilization of citrus, right? Correct. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty incredible. How did that tech come about, you know? I mean, I, having worked in cocktails a long time, I kind of exactly know where you're coming from. Citrus has, it's very perishable quite fast, but where did the, um, the cold pressure tech come from? How did you stumble upon that? So the... Uh, yeah, it's... Go ahead, yeah, go ahead Lauren. Oh, okay. Um, so basically, cold, you know, cold pressurization has been around for quite a bit of time, um, maybe about 50, 60 years commercialized um, around the world. And it's often used in like meat, uh, like those kind of super finely packed, you know, meats or hummuses, all, every single hummus uses this technology. Um, and we kind of saw this in the juice industry about 10 years ago, uh, when we first started getting investigating, you know, what are the, you know, problems of, you know, in the industry, we saw companies like Suja, um, Evolution Fresh and Coca-Cola and Starbucks buying up these companies. And we saw, you know, wow, these companies are being bought for hundred million, 300 million, you know, almost a billion dollars at one point. We thought, wow, if these big companies are using this technology to bring fresh to the masses and they're doing it in a different category, how cool would it be to use that same technology in the alcohol industry? And at this point, we're the only company in the alcohol industry using it because on the other side of the, the third component here is that you have to be able to make it in a facility that handles fresh citrus. And I'm sure you've been to a lot of distilleries. They're not quite mm-hmm. uh, the beacons of, you know, you know, ability to handle fresh uh, ingredients. It's a little musky. It's, you know, there's wood everywhere. And so what we did different was we basically joined ventured with one of the largest fresh juice co-packing facilities in the West coast of the United States. And we basically acquired the alcohol licenses at the property there instead of basically making this at a distillery, which is a typical mindset of how people manufacture alcohol uh, in the United States. Fantastic. Okay. So that, I mean, that covers the, the production that covers the juice. How about the alcohol, the spirit, where does that come from? Yeah, so with this license, you know, so what we did, we got this unique license where we can buy alcohol in bulk. So we buy barrels out of Indiana of rye whiskey and bourbon. We buy, you know, totes of vodka from a craft distillery down the street. We buy rum um, and barrels from Guatemala, mezcal from Mexico. So we basically buy anything and everything wherever we can get it um, at all times and we source it and with this unique license, which is the fourth pillar, uh, not only did we get this partnership with a fresh juice factory and kind of went a different pathway there, but the license also by not distilling any product, we don't have to go through a distributor, which is a requirement in the United States where if you distill your own product, you have to sell it to a third party and then they sell it to the retail tier who then sells it to the consumer tier and by not distilling our own product and buying it already made but in bulk to bring down the cost we can sell it directly to a retailer bypassing the distributor tier because we're not making our own spirit so you know those guys 
traditionally don't have spirit or don't have refrigeration. They have the spirit licenses. And so it was a really elegant kind of, you know, two-handed play where we got the license in a different place. We're able to do it directly and get to market. Wow. Brilliant. Fantastic. I mean, let's, um, let's actually talk about the recipes. Um, I'd like to actually ask, what's your favorite recipe out of all of them? <laughs> uh, mine? Okay. Yeah, Random, what's your favorite? I, it's, I feel like every new one that we come out with, I'm like, this one is the best. <laughs> you know? We, uh, honestly, we came out with a, we're about to launch a spice sangria. And, you know, before that, my, my top was the hibiscus haze. Uh, my opinion on it is it's kind of like a kind of like a Cosmo with mezcal. Mm. It's it's interesting like that. Like the reason why I like a, a Cosmopolitan sometimes is the reason why this drink tastes good to me. But I'm gonna have to go with the spice sangria. It's coming out, and I think that one's the top drink. Okay, Lawrence, how about yourself? I would say you know the the rum punch has been a, an interesting one for us. People don't you know know what a rum punch is, and it has a lot of variation and interpretation of what you know a rum punch can be. But I would say that the newest version of it, where we basically do a dark and white rum uh, with basically pineapple, um, coconut milk, fresh lime. Uh, we do a little mint infused water. Uh, to me, is I think my favorite. Fantastic! I'm just reading the apricot rice mash. And uh, for the listeners, that's uh, cold-pressed apricot, almond syrup, lemon juice, cherry bark, vanilla bitters, and rye whiskey. And um, actually, it's a pretty good price point because it says the serving size is two cocktails. But for $12, I think that's really reasonable. Yeah, it's um, there's approximately two shots in each bottle. So we kind of wanted to be, you know, I think a little conservative and say, hey, you know, there's two servings in here because the way people market it and we wanted to be a bit, you know, I think safe and telling people, Hey, there's two drinks in here. Um, so they know, you know, from a you know, proportion standpoint, how they drinking, cause it's a different kind of format that, you know, other places, but people seem to really enjoy the value. You know, they kind of do the equation in their head. Well, Hey, I go downtown drinks are between 12 and $16. I'm getting two here. Um, great deal. I'm just going to order this, especially during the pandemic now. Brilliant. Okay. Now, I'd like to ask a bit about the um, the process of the bottle, the manufacturing, because it's very unique. The packaging is beautiful, but I understand that it probably was quite hard, uh, especially you said there's a patent pending as well. Can you discuss that that sort of um, the steps, the process for that? Yeah, um, no, it was a very arduous, multi-year, um, many dollars spent uh, project. And mm-hmm. essentially, you know, we had to figure out a way where it was seamless to use um it achieved the basically the fundamentally it holds the the juice inside the bottle under pressures that are about you know think of the pressure at the bottom of the ocean and like submarines you know squeaking and all that kind of stuff and then imagine times four and so that's the essentially the pressure that almost doesn't exist on earth and holding that those seals and then adding multiple kind of functioning moving components on top of it um, at the same time. And so that took quite a while. A lot of times, you know, the, there was, it would leak or it wouldn't move as smoothly, but I think, you know, Brandon and I, you know, really kind of put a lot of thought into it as we were making it because we had to basically develop it from scratch 100%. And so we kind of started thinking, well, how can we make it so that it helps create a certain authenticity to the product and so we were always kind of thought, you know, how does this recreate the live craft cocktail experience in a bottle? And so on top of just, you know, 
making it so it's separate. You twist it, you mix it together, and it's kind of this DIY do-it-yourself kind of component to it. But the bottom part of the bottle is diamond cut kind of looking plastic so that it kind of resembles a kind of glass where you would have in a bar. And the gold cap kind of brings in these kind of luxury elements you would get, you know, going to different spots in, you know, Miami or New York or Chicago uh, of the gold kind of plated this or that. And so we kind of did everything all at the same time. And um, it kind of created this, you know, authentic looking yet useful product at the same time. And I guess like, uh, let's, let's think about the steps. So I guess design is first, which must've been a big headache, (laughs) but then you've got to find someone to make it. How many people did you approach before you found someone you could trust with the, with the whole thing? You know, actually we, we just being in the industry and making product, we, we have a genius engineer who's a partner in the company. Great. Uh, Yeah. And so we were lucky that way. We definitely, we definitely farmed it out to a couple of other groups just to kind of get a sense for how they would design it aesthetically. And so, you know, in our library, we have like probably a hundred different designs on what the bottle look like, you know, mm. different caps, different bottoms, textures, um, you know, tons of different label treatments. So, yeah, I mean, we start, you know, the, the steps were, you know, first, how do we, what is it that we're trying to solve? And it was fresh. And it was like, all right, cool. We need to make sure that it's not pre-mixed because we, we identified that being one of the, the main factors. And then it was, okay, well, how do we do fresh now? And so designing the, the double chamber part wasn't too crazy. What was, what was really challenging was to make that double chamber work in that high pressure environment. So we would, you know, we would get, we'd have a bottle and we, we tried a few different designs, um, a few different concepts. Right now, what the bottle does is, and you can see it on our website too, there's um there's a little animation that that peels back the label and you can see kind of what's going on on the inside of the bottle, but basically have a moving cap on the inside of the bottle that moves as you twist It moves up and it unplugs the two chambers for both the liquids to combine. But in the past we had different mechanisms inside of the bottle that would make the two liquid chambers combine. And um, really it was just getting it past the point of pressurization. So we would, we would bring it into the high pressure environment and, you know, we would pull out bottles and they'd literally be buckled, you know, they would be completely broken. So we had to test tons of different resins, plastic resins that, you know, could undergo that kind of pressure um, on top of the mechanism that combines the, um, the liquids together. So that process, you know, probably went through about 10 different, 10 different conceptual designs ranging from, you know, the, what the mechanism for for mixing was and then also how do we make sure that this can actually go through that high pressure process and there's there's a ton of stuff inside of there too a certain amount of flex that the that the resin needs to be able to uh, you know endure uh, but also help transfer the pressure through the plastic you know into the fresh ingredients so it was um it was uh it was long and it was hard and there are definitely times you know throughout where we were like man this is this is a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. And, and, you know, today that kind of confers itself in this big advantage of, we think it would be pretty hard to work around our patent to do this on your own. <laughs> and Brandon there was, and Chris, there was this really funny story. Like I would say maybe a year after we got our first uh, investment, I don't, I don't even know if Brandon totally remembers this, but you know, we had got this money and we were super excited. We had this very specific plan on go to market. We're going to make this bottle. This is the design. 
and we test the bottle. And I think we realized that we were super far off base. We had made a mold for a totally, you know, not workable design. And we were kind of just sitting there like, what are we going to do? We spent all this money. We don't have a workable bottle and who's going to invest into us now. And I remember just sitting there for like talking on the phone for five or 10 minutes. And, you know, we said, you know what? It's just a prototype. This is just, you know, the first iteration of multiple bottles. And we had a lot of learnings and we're going to keep pressing forward. And, you know, sure enough, we got some more investment and, you know, we went on going ahead, but we thought that was the, uh, the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel that um, there are so many people who start businesses have had that moment. And um, it, it's the people that just carry on, strive and push through it. You know, they're the ones that succeed. So well on to you guys, really. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, we're cocktail guys at heart and we really think, well, I don't think, it, we, don't, we don't think at this point we know. But back then we were like, this is 100% a white space. You know, everything else out there is just a far cry from, you know, the live experience of being at a bar and, um, and having a, a craft drink made for you. So we're, um, we're stoked that it finally came, came to fruition. Fantastic. Well, hopefully I'll get to try it one day. Are you exporting or is it just, you know, in the US right now? We are looking into that. We have um, we have some conversations that are going right now. Um, I mean, we'd love to get into to you know some of the Asian countries, um, and we could definitely send some to you. In, in, Please do. You said, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out. Okay. <laughs> um, the next the next spot for us is um, it's most likely Europe. So we, um, you know, part of the trouble is <clears throat> is finding a supply chain in each country, in each region of the world that can, you know, that we can do the same thing that we're doing here. Um, and so we found, you know, we found a supply chain where we kind of put it together really in, um, in Europe, in Portugal. And so that, that'll probably be the next place that we, that we, um, we bring the product. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, if you need help over in Asia, let me know. I'm your man. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Okay. I would also like to ask you, um, how many bottles are you producing at the moment? I think we're doing about, uh, yeah. What, what do you say, Brandon? Like how many, how many are we selling per month or how much, like how much inventory do we have right now? Both. If you're happy to share that information. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, I mean, we're, we're, we, sh we our retailers ship to 32 States right now, but you know, the cost of shipping into the internal states is a little bit high. So we have some retailers that are coming online soon. Um, so a lot of the demand is really, is really localized to California and New York. Um, but we're doing north of 30,000 units a month. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean we have about, you know, 25 to 40,000 units on hand at any given time across almost 12, you know, 13, 14 different SKUs at any given time. So we're producing all the time. Each time we're in a production, we're doing probably, you know, 20 to 40,000 units each run. It's kind of a two week process and we're kind of just in this constant production mode every week right now. That's a lot of bottle cocktails, but I remember you said the shelf life is currently five months, but you're looking to get it a bit more, right? Well, it's actually, it's five months is what we showed at our last shelf life study. So we opened up all of the bottles to test for microbial spoilage at five months. And, and then we found that there was no microbial spoilage and we were like, damn, we should have opened these up later or we should have kept some until seven right. months. So 
we're pretty, we're pretty confident that they last seven months. They've always lasted seven months, but we only tested for five. So soon, soon we have, you know, we're, we have a best consumed by date on the cap, which I don't think any other cocktail company in the industry has that. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that, that soon is probably going to extend to another two months. Brilliant. Um, well, I, honestly, I'm really impressed, especially the way you set this up and, and having these quality tests, um, I mean, it's really necessary, I think, but it shows that you're really dedicated to the quality of the product. Um, can we talk about some of the bartenders that are involved in this as well or are kind of helping promote this? Uh, Bad Birdie being one of them who's uh, LA as well. So I guess you know her pretty well from her bar. Yeah, we're pretty close with everybody on the team mm-hmm. um, and they're all close with each other too. So, I mean, we we were working on this for a couple, you know, a few years before we even launched it, and we're you know we're in LA, and we were always you know cocktail aficionados, you know, enjoyers, and so we you know we kind of made our rounds and became friends with these people over time, and then it really happened organically, you know, like how how can we make the best drink? Well, who should we consult? We consult these people that we know. And, you know, then it sort of naturally started to turn into this like assignment type of thing where like, you've been helping us with this drink. Like, why don't you become the person that's backing it? Mm. And um, yeah, Bad Birdie, you know, we've, um, we've been friends with her for years. You know, we have text message threads going with her all the time. Mm. It's cool because a lot of these people are super stoked on it. And with the pandemic, you know, a lot of them aren't really working behind the bar anymore. And this is a way for them to kind of get their you know, their medium and their craft out there get paid on it too, which is, I think, you know, pretty cool. And there's nobody out there that's really doing it like us. And um, it's exciting, you know, like they get to, they get to show up in someone's home and, you know, maybe they didn't buy because of Bad Birdie or Cocktails by Hawk or the Garnish guy, but they get the, they get the drink and then they see that and then they go and follow that person. So it really has this, you know, solid community driving aspect to it that truly happens organically. Great. And was it a, a sort of a, a relief, a sign of relief where you had all these bartenders sort of like approve this drink, say, yeah, this is great. We'll support it for you guys. Was it like, oh, thank God we got it right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, they're all experts. So being able to have them, you know, taste and approve it and then being willing to put their name on it. You know, some of these people are very, very, sensitive around promoting certain brands For some sure. people are really you know they're really into it and they just they love the scene and they're they're into making content and then others are like no i don't partner with any brands and you're like but look at all these brands that want to partner with you and they're like no i don't just you know i'm not going to just put my name on on anything and um and you know we've got those those type of people that are backing it which i think is a really big sign of confidence and you know authenticity brilliant so looking back at the whole journey, guys, firstly, how long has it been to get to this point? Uh, you know, it's been five years or so that we've been, you know, tinkering and, and, and working on it. And then over the last two to three years was really when the, the time spent on it accelerated. Mm. Looking back, um, what key moments do you wish you could have changed? Or is there anything you wish you kind of could go back on and, and do differently? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel like we're, I feel like wish we would have known about something sooner (laughs) rather than, you know, I wish, you know, that's, that's really the biggest thing is, is, is it took, it took time to realize what wouldn't work 
And um, it's always painful to have that, you know, have that be extended versus something that you figure out right away. You know, I'm trying to think. I don't think anybody's really asked us that. So okay. <laughs> you have anything that you wish you could go back and change? Probably some labels, you know, <laughs> some design choices on labels. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, if I sat here long enough, I'd, I'd probably be able to come up with a pretty long list. <laughs> Lawrence, right how about yourself? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say, you know, knowing about more on the regulatory front, but like Brandon said, I mean, we talked to literally as many people as we could, regulatory consultants, people who have been in the industry decades, bartenders, anyone, you know, we could get our hands on and nobody directly knew and we had to kind of piece it together. So, you know, it's one of those things where like, could have said, oh, I wish someone, you know, spirit guide could have told us, you know, and just showed up at our doorstep where we called and they had the silver bullet, but there wasn't really anyone like that who could um, kind of piece it all together. So. It, it is what it is. And I think that's what kind of gives a certain kind of magic to, you know, the whole story and everything that we kind of did something that no one else did that no one else had figured out before. And it was only because we had to go and dig and, you know, look under different things and places in the industry that no one had really kind of realized that uh, was possible. And so, you know, that's what, I, that's what it is, I guess. Great. And any advice for those who are maybe wanting to start their own bottle of cocktails? Good luck. <laughs> in, a, in a different market, so not competition. <laughs> but yeah, I think for, because I know that um, in Asia particularly, a lot of the big bars were doing bottle service of their of their signature cocktails and on a much smaller scale, but it's obviously um, a lot of these bars had never done it before because it's a different business model. So I'm wondering if you maybe had any advice for these sort of, these, you know, these are world 50 best bars and stuff and uh, maybe yeah. sort of, some things they can just you know get through easier or even if it's like the labeling like you mentioned what would be your key advice or key takeaway i think my key advice like, would be to buy drinksmith help us you know yeah. get into the country <laughs> <laughs> right. partner with us because we literally are use our technology to power your cocktail program 100 you know we have we have tons of restaurants that are contacting us now that are okay. you know hey i want to this I want to use this bottle tech and so we are working on on the way to, to partner with restaurants you know of course it comes with some minimums um, you know minimum order requirements just because that's how it works with with manufacturing but you're, you're wanting you're wanting to know something outside of that obviously so <laughs> I would say I would say you know focusing on fresh you know a lot of a lot of what makes cocktails go wrong is really just you're not making a fresh drink you know and I think trying not to pre-mix them, especially if they're going to be, you know, especially if they're going to, you know, take a couple of days to get to their recipient, you should definitely be, you know, be, be separating the spirits from the fresh ingredients. I'd say that's, you know, those two aspects are, are, are key. So I would say that for, if they're going to do fresh to not actually try and widely distribute it, we've seen a number of bars here in LA kind of just do the same model as a regular bar where if someone orders a cocktail and they have it delivered to their house, the bar is just, you know, making more limited quantities of a smaller select group of drinks and they're just making it as it's ordered and then they send it off and that's what it is. And it's, it's a more localized, you know, distribution, um, you know, geography, but if they want to widely distribute, I would just say, you know, stay away from fresh, actually just go to spirit forward cocktails, your Negronis, your, you know, your Manhattan's, your old fashions and whatever, and bottle that up because it has a lot 
longer of a shelf life. You can still have interesting kind of takes on that. It doesn't have to just be a, a basic um, kind of run of the mill old fashioned, but doing some burial age stuff or doing interesting things and kind of adding their higher level craftsmanship to a bottle version. And I think that could probably work pretty well. Two very good pieces of advice there. Thank you guys. Now we're, we're going to wrap up very soon. Um, but just to ask, like, what's, what's the future hold? Where are we going next? What are we going to do next? <laughs> We've got a lot in the pipeline. Um, <clears throat> we have, well, first of all, we have a bigger size that's coming out in 20. Well, I guess it's 2021 now. Wow. Um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, I'm so used to, I'm, I'm just so used to being in 2020. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we have a new size that's coming out, a 750 ml, so it'll be, you know, 3x the amount of drinks that you can get Brilliant. from our 200 ml. So we're super excited about that. That'll probably be coming out over the summer. Um, we've got um, we've got a couple of new programs that we're launching as well. One of them, um, the most exciting one, is um, this bartender campaign, drink camp- campaigns program, where as a bartender you can come to our site and you could submit a recipe we'll then display it back publicly um, to traffic that comes to the site. And you as a bartender um, or, you know, at home drink maker, uh, drink smith, if you will, can drive traffic to that page and, you know, have your audience pre-order and vote that drink into existence. Um, so we're super excited about that. I like that campaign, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's, that's gonna be huge. Um, and then, and then we were launching a number of new, uh, new drinks as well. Uh, maybe Lawrence, you want to jump in and, and talk a little bit about that, but, um, yeah, maybe just you take that Lawrence. apologies. Yeah, no, no, it's, uh, you know, we have a whole number of drinks. Cause I mean, as you know, there's just so many different drinks you can make from, you know, classics to kind of just new drinks. And so we're working on a, um, you know, a Pisco punch, um, with a Pisco out of Peru, and kind of you working with a bartender up in San Francisco, we're coming out with a Jack Rose cocktail, which is Applejack or Apple Brandy, which fresh pomegranate uh, and lemon and working with this uh, bartender here in LA, whose name is Bottled and Bond, who loves Apple Brandy, who's written about Apple Brandy, who's worked with, uh, it was one of the partnerships we're coming out with is with the Laird family up in the uh, Northeast of the United oh, yes, States. You know, one of the oldest distilleries in the United States. And, you know, so we're really excited about, you know, that. And so I think just at a high level, kind of getting a lot of buy-in from people who have been in the industry from day one, um, you know, literally, you know, hundreds of years ago to some of the top bartenders, um, you know, in, in, the, in the country and having everyone excited, having everyone you know, willing to participate and, you know, then just to be able to, you know, profit and kind of, you know, on the side and doing something different and make a living doing something different, but in the same, you know, with their same skill set and same passion that I think it's growing kind of exponentially by other people in the industry seeing what we're doing. So apart from kind of the blocking and tackling new products and larger sizes and, you know, expansion, all that kind of stuff, I think having people in the industry take us more seriously and obviously people are, but people at the very top of, you know, a Diageo or a big distributor or a big retailer kind of turning their head and saying, wow, these guys have done it, but they've done it in the coolest way possible. And how do I get involved with them uh, right now? And, you know, we've been kind of building that step by step over a number of years. And it's something where I think it's kind of coming to, you know, full steam ahead um, right now, which is, which is really exciting. Well, I mean, um, I'm very excited to see what the future holds and I'll be following you guys very closely. Um, we're going to end it very soon, but just to finish off, 
uh, what do you guys drink at home? What's your sort of guilty pleasure? And you can't say your own pro- product either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would Old fashions? Okay. Um, I mean, it's pretty much um, <clears throat> beer in a shot. And uh, that's what I do. Boilermaker. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, guys, it's. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, for all the audience as well, the links will be in the show notes for this amazing brand, Drinksmith. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys, how you're going to go forward. And I really can't wait to try it myself. Uh, So thanks for coming on the show, guys. Thank you, Chris. Much appreciated. Thank you for having us. Brilliant. Talk soon. Bye.